This is December 27th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays to whatever you celebrate. Hopefully you get some good gifts, good time with family. Uh, and now we are post-Christmas. And on this episode, there wasn't a ton new to talk about. The Bruins have been off uh, for a couple days. So we discussed the biggest surprises of the first three months, which... Um, you could say the whole thing is a surprise, <laughs> but we we dissected it a little more than that. Uh, we didn't just do, you know, oh, the team's really good, this and that. We got into a lot of different things. I think one thing you have to keep in mind with this team is this is a special run. Like, I, th- this is every way you look at it. It's hard to poke holes in it. Trust me, we have sat and tried to figure out, you know, hey, what, what are some things, you know, they can kind of improve upon. There aren't many things. Um and so we kind of dove into the historical significance, what it means going forward, um, and the big players in all of this, Linus Olmark and Nick Felino and Taylor Hall and things like that. So uh, before we get into the conversation, football is alive and well, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football odds, news, and game matchups, including next week's games. Bet Online is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. Always the fastest. An easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. Of course, there's the NFL, but there's also the NHL, which maybe you want to go put a, a bet on the Bruins. The Bruins were recently, uh, the last time they updated it, uh, the Stanley Cup favorite. Maybe you want to go place a bet on that or over uh, with teams in the NBA. Maybe you want to give a good bet to your Boston Celtics. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game Stats. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. How was your Christmas? And did you get anything good? Was Santa good to you? It was fantastic. Santa stopped by the Ryan household, got a lot of good swag, uh, got a new hat. Which you know, will add to the rotation of uh, the various nice. hats I wear for every podcast. Got a couple of good things, so I have no complaints. How about you? Santa was very good to me. I got clothes and shoes I wanted. He got me some flannel Hell sheets yeah. for my bed, Oof. which apparently some people don't like. Like I brought it up to some of my friends, like use flannel sheets, and I'm like, yeah, I want to be warmer in the winter. What's like, what's wrong with that? Um, sounds sounds luxurious. It's what, very luxurious. What are, they what, are they, what, are they, what are they sleeping on a bunch of rocks? What are they? Doing? I've I have been off my game of life in the past month or two without my flannel sheets because I got a new bigger bed last year and I don't I don't know I guess I didn't use flannel sheets last year but I want them this year for the new house and uh, I you know I, I wanted them and I got them and they're very nice and warm and um, I don't think I think I got a new wallet so I used to have a bigger Oof. wallet now it's more slender and it's like metal so um nice. yeah santa was good to me santa was uh santa, santa was great to my little cousin who got like a one thousand dollar guitar oh uh, so i don't know how santa swung that but santa found a way so he was very generous i guess to my my little cousin but good for him to be rocking out um but anyway on this episode of bruins we want to focus 
uh, on the biggest surprises, there's no real stuff to discuss. They played the Devils uh, at the end of last week. It was a four to three win. I mean, it's just not much that we're going to sit here and take from it. So we're in a good spot. We're what, like, you know, two over two months into the season, almost three months. Yeah. Uh, so it's a good time to kind of look at the biggest surprises of this season. What has surprised us? so far and i can't think of anything that isn't surprising um because i don't i think i think this conversation starts and ends with the bruins in general you and i were both i remember uh prior to the season me you ty anderson of 98.5 and nicole yang of the boston globe we went out uh for some for some good uh mexican food somewhere it was in brookline i think i forget the name of the place but we were sitting there and i think nicole was like how are the bruins gonna be this year and you and ty were adamant adamant about i don't see a reason why they're going to be bad i don't know why people are saying they're gonna be bad and i was saying the same things on these podcasts like we were, we were all, all three of us kind of like they're not gonna be bad yeah and i don't even think we could have ex- expected this like i think this even exceeds that expectation tenfold yeah i think it's one where we like talked about it and we're like yeah like you know what this team actually could be pretty good and then i feel like right before training camp set and we first started talking about like oh this team could go pretty far and i think we were both like this team low-key could be like a wagon <laughs> that being said like a wagon is like another like 100 points or what have you and they could be really really good like the way they're playing right now is a, a tier above that even if you predicted i think what we said before the season started we're like this team is going to be really good and they could go win a cup Right now, they're on a pace to have the most points in NHL history. Like, this is beyond what anyone expected in terms of just how good they've been. And whether it's, you know, key pieces like Bergeron not, um, you know, not taking a step back in their development or, you know, their level of play, the numerous players who have stepped up and are having either career years or, you know, resurgent seasons, I think. Um, you look at, you know, I'm sure we'll go into more individual players as we go through this episode, but just the amount of people who are, playing at their best level. You have, you know, Jim Montgomery and his impact. You have the defense as a whole still being effective. You have the secondary scoring. Like, would you, they just, wherever you look up and down this lineup and the way this team relies on its strengths, it's, you don't see like a flaw, right? It's whether, you know, it's still same stingy defense, elite goaltending, better offense, more secondary scoring. Like, there's not like a fault you can find in this team. So, um, yeah, if you want to do the overarching thing, yeah. We all thought the Bruins were going to be good. I think we were very high on them. But even with those lofty predictions we had, knowing that they'd be this good. I mean, they have four regulation losses. Yeah, that, that'll do it. Like four. And one was uh, the Coyotes with that weird thing at the end of the game. There was one was in Toronto. One, there was one in Toronto. Where uh, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a bit. And, oh, yeah, that's right. That was that game. I and and, that and Toronto, game. good. <laughs> Like, Toronto's also a very good team. Um, and so there was there was Toronto, there was Ottawa, there was Arizona, and what was the fourth? I'm blanking on the fourth regulation loss. It's been so few far in between. Yeah, I'm trying to actually think um, about yeah. Someone is absolutely punching their steering wheel. I know. Like, it was this game. But just as you look that up, it is incredible to me that this has happened. Like the, the, and 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 I some people have gotten back to me on Twitter, and I agree with them. It's kind of like people are like, so like when's this thing gonna fall apart? Because it's mm. so good. It's so good. And I think that's the thing that kind of worries people. And let's see, what was the other game? Florida. Florida on the road. That's right. It was the game right before Thanksgiving. Okay. So, you know, all weirdish games. Uh, you know, I mean that none were full none were at home. None have come at the garden yet. Nesson is still saying um they have yet to lose <laughs> they're unbeaten technically. So um, but again, I just I go back to uh, you know, you and I both had them winning the cup at the beginning of the year. And I think a lot of people think, oh, you're a Bruins podcast. Of course, you're going to say they're winning the cup. 
No, I mean, I like they're going to be years in the future, and there have been years in the past where we didn't pick them to win the cup. Like, you know, they're going to be years in the future where we say, yep, they're a first round exit team. That's what the roster looks like. Um, I just think you know, when you looked at the beginning of the year, the depth they had, if they played to their potential, um, and you know, again, now everything, it, I think this is more than potential, I think everything's just gone crazily right i mean this is like and that's why i think it's even hard to like explain it because it's just so good and what i would tell people is you know i think i think at the beginning of the year people are like oh it's gonna matter what what happens in the playoffs and of course if this team is out in the first round screw this whole season like i none of this matters but while you're in it enjoy it because this is not gonna happen Again, until Lord knows when. I mean, this, you know, if you took the same roster, put them in next season, it's hard to imagine they're going to be, you know, four losses, four, you know, losses come December 26th. Um, and I think when it comes to surprises, one of the biggest, Linus Olmark. I mean, Linus Olmark has been unconscious. Um, Vesna contender that's on the best team in the league that I think even has a better case than the Vigmelkas, Hellebuck, like his numbers are absurd. And we've said this a few times recently. Like if you watch these games, he's not coming away with like 18 save wins. Right. He is sa- he saved multiple games at this point. Yeah, it's one thing where I think you look at like the it's almost like the hot trophy where it's like is it the best overall player or is it the most important player to their team in which you can look at those guys like, you know, Hellebuck or what have you. And again, like those guys are have a tougher, probably uphill climb in terms of day in and day out. But you're right. It's not like, yes, the Bruins have a very good structured defense. But if Olmark was even maybe what his play was last year, this team is not, what is it, 27 and four there? 21. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're like 21 and like eight or nine, right? Which like still very, very good. But when you're under five wins and you have 20 plus wins, like it's a stark difference, right? So I think when you look at just, how poised Olmark's been, how you know key he's been, especially early on in the year where uh, the Bruins are kind of finding their footing under Jim Montgomery's system. Like we look at how good the stat was, but if you don't like lose some of those high, if you lose some of those high scoring games and let some of these uh, things snowball, who knows how you exactly kind of get off on the right foot with the way the season's gone. So um, yeah, I think at the very least he's got to be a, a Vesna top three finalist. But you look at just his importance as the season goes on too. It's hard to knock them in terms of, you know, it's one thing where it's like, all right, you look at like, let's say Cy Young voting. People don't look just at the, like the record anymore or like, you know, some of the things. After Porcello won it. <laughs> yeah. That being said, if like all Mark goes 27 and three for like 110 win team, I don't know, man, like with like a two, two ERA. I don't know. Maybe just hand it to the guy. Like sometimes he's got to tip your cap. Right. So yeah, he's been unbelievable this season. He's, I think the most important player in terms of why they've gotten off to, this elite type of stat. I mean, if you look ahead and again, we've talked about this a little bit with, you know, load management with him, but if he gets to that, to the playoffs and he's at that level, you don't lose. Yes. Like, and again, it's, it's going to be tougher seven game series games close together, whatnot. You know, I don't think Montgomery wants to be slotting goalies in and out, but I mean, geez, like, Oh my God, if that was the the play that you got from him in the postseason, um, that would be, Pretty crazy. And I, it's funny, you know, you mentioned it's funny that those high scoring games, I think when I look back on it, remember that game in Pittsburgh when I think it was Omar got pulled, Swayman came in, Swayman got injured, Omar went back in, team comes back, they win it in OT, Lindholm scores the OT winner. I think that was when, and that was probably eight or nine games into the season at that point. Yeah. That was when I kind of said, okay, 
they got something special going on here. This is yeah. not, you know, just a really hot start. Like there's something with this team um, that is deeper than just some luck. Like there's a lot going right here. And that was that game where I think we all kind of were like, oh, they're dead in the water. Like that's, right, yeah. you know, and Swayman looked, that injury looked horrible and he was only out for a small amount of time compared to what we initially thought he was. Um, again, that wasn't Omar's best showing, but Omar did hold up down the stretch after yeah. he came back in Fought and he's been money ever since. Um, I, it's crazy. It's almost like he must've had some athletic greens on the bench. That must've been what he had. I mean, you know, just whoop. And he's been just nasty ever since we're talking, uh, our next partner, they have a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG one because I wanted better gut health and more energy. I don't drink coffee or use caffeine because I wanted healthier, natural energy and AG one is providing it in droves. Doesn't taste like it's super healthy or anything either. It has a mild tropical taste. There is the tropics. Great place to spend Christmas, by the way, that I actually look forward to each and every morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75, yes, 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than a gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting really good. This all supports better sleep quality and mental clarity, which is kind of helpful and kind of a good thing. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just a single scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Green is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five, count them five, free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Bruins. Again, athleticgreens.com backslash Bruins. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance maybe people got that for a loved one for for christmas or a friend or they got that for themselves i mean it's a great someone asked me about it actually the other night someone at the i was out with a bunch of friends and someone at the table said oh i love athletic like i'm not making this up <laughs> this is not like a made-up thing like, yeah I love you just like cycled through your head yep it's like oh phew. like i can read all you about it but yeah uh, he was like i love it and my friends were like evan you gotta get out and he's like you have a promo code i was like i do uh he's not a big hockey fan well so you should ask and I, I should have hit him with a chair. You not listen to the podcast, would you? You don't listen, you don't listen to Bruins beat you, peasant? Come on. Um, moving on, moving right along. Um, we'll keep it on defense with some of the surprises. I would say Derek Forbert and Connor Clifton. Uh, again, I think Clifton was a guy that we were questioning going into the year. I think we were questioning the right side depth, McAvoy, Carlo. And then we kind of kept saying, well, what else is there? Uh, I remember during that summer, we kept saying, you know, they should think about maybe a third pairing right shot defenseman that's a little more stable. Uh, we were kind of wrong in the sense that Clifton has, you know, solidified that role and then a lot. Um, what have you thought of Clifton so far? Yeah, I mean, I think you look up and down that decor. You got so many guys that were either a bit of unknowns going into the season, like a Clifton, who I think has really solidified that spot. You look at Derek Forbert, who, again, I think probably – ingratiated himself to Bruntons with, with the way he played in po- postseason last year. And I think he's built upon that. I mean, you look at just how impactful he is uh, when he was out for close to a month, how much the PK kind of dipped when he wasn't out there. So, you know, this value just having a guy like that, that is just great on the PK plays a simple smart game. Um, and he's been money in that regard. And then even a guy like, I think campus Lindholm, when you look at just the way this team, you know, had that uphill climb to start the year where you didn't have, 
both Matt Grizzlick, but especially Charlie McAvoy. I mean, Hampus Lindholm was looking like a, a Norris front runner for the first like month Insanity. of the season. So um, again, it kind of just goes back to what we said about how resilient this team is. And the fact that when guys are handed different opportunities, they've stepped up and performed. You can look at Pavel Zaka stepping in for David Krejci. I think he's had a point in every single game where he's stepped up in that two C spot. So um, up and down the lineup, I think he's been really effective uh, for Zaka, but yeah, just even on the defense, you have guys stepping up further in the lineup. You had, you know, Connor Clifton for a stretch there was averaging what, like 22 minutes a night and was great. I think he had, yeah. So I think you look all across that decor, you have guys stepping up into various roles and it's not like they're, night and day in terms of what you've seen from him. Like Clifton's still playing the, I don't don't want to hurt his feelings, but he's playing cliffy hockey, but it's, you know, like a revised, you know, fine tuned version of it. Same with a guy like Lindholm, same with a guy like Forbert. Like they're not changing the way they play. They just seem to be so much more assertive, effective um, out there night in and night out. And it doesn't seem like it's a fluke either. Yeah. Like I think the consistency's there uh, a lot more. And as you said, it just, it's a lot more assertiveness. And even you see with a guy like Forbert, like just fitting in. And again, none, no one's playing above where they should be. Yeah. This is the other thing. And I think we kind of hit on this in past years um, with the way the roster was constructed, like last year, you know, putting Derek Forbert in as a number one left shot defenseman just ain't going to work. Um, and, you know, Lindholm, I guess, played above where he was supposed to as a number one defenseman, but he's paid like a number, like a borderline number one defenseman. So he might as well play like one. And he's done that. But even look at Clifton, yeah. you know, where he's been, you know, second or third pairing right shot defenseman. Not too much has been asked of him. And they've kind of exceeded those expectations. And it's the consistency. And I just think that, you know, if none of them are playing games where I'm like, oh, they're going to fall off. Like Clifton is just more consistent. They're forward, more consistent. This is, as you said, this isn't like, they are morphing into Zidane Char. They're not Eric Carlson out in San Jose, which it's been really cool, by the way, to see him just kind of turn into 2016 Eric Carlson yes. again. Um, I mean, the team out there is not, nothing really is happening with them, with the Sharks, but it's cool to see kind of him just turn into his vintage self, I guess. Talk about a surprise, but, uh, and a guy that a lot of people, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, should this team trade for Eric Carlson at the deadline, which uh, have fun with that. That's an interesting contract to try to pick yes. up at the mid-season. Um, up front, uh, there's a lot of surprises. I think, you know, obviously, you know, Craig Smith isn't a great surprise for this, this is a positive episode. This is yeah, like it's around Christmas time. Let's yeah. Christmas spirit is alive and well on this show. Uh, but I think Taylor Hall on line three, that was a weird one when that started yeah. happening. Cause it's like, Oh, like if you, if you, if you fell asleep in September and woke up in like mid November and you said, why is Taylor Hall on the third line? Like it might be pretty concerning. But you just look at the numbers, you look at how well he's fit. Coyle, Frederick, I mean, Frederick actually complements that line well. So far, we've been wrong about Frederick. Like, there's been offensive upside there uh, that maybe we didn't see before. Uh, But Taylor Hall's fitted well. And again, Connor, they're deep. They are deep, which is the big thing. And you've seen it all season with Taylor Hall. Yeah, I mean, it's something I think we talked about uh, a few weeks ago when you look at teams that go on deep cup runs and usually one like recurring theme you see, you know, people talk about like, Oh, you need your whole decor to be over six, two, or you need all these different things that people try to mimic, you know, in a copycat league like this. But I think one thing that stands out is so many of these teams have really, really effective third lines that for a lot of other teams, you know, two thirds or, or all three of those forwards could probably play in the top six for other teams. And you look at, um, I mean, especially Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall would be first line left wing on, 
25 half, half plus. Half yeah, more, like if not more, right? So you look at what he's done on that line. Um, again, it's a different role for him that he seems to be embracing, or you know, he's he seems like a guy that already I think is happy in Boston that he's no longer has to be the guy, but to like it's one thing to do that, but then another thing to go from like, all right. I'm not the guy. I'm still, you know, I won the hot trophy a few years ago. I'll still be on the second line, drive play. To be in the third line, but to still contribute like that and make, you know, a line that's really a matchup nightmare for other teams. Um, it's one thing, as you said, Evan, if you asked me in September about it, the one lock would be like, Hall's not getting off the top six. No, no. Something has to go really wrong, whether his play <laughs> is like, pl- has like plummeted or what. No, he's just, you know, Montgomery, Jim Montgomery's shown a, uh, a willingness to really shuffle up his lines. And that was one that at first you're like, I don't think it's going to work. And again, you put some guys together, you see how it works. You look at how poor uh, Taylor Hall and Charlie Coyle were last year and how it's night and day this season. Might as well roll with it. And, you know, credit to, I think Montgomery for making that switch and for especially Hall to kind of stick with it. And I mean, it's not like you're seeing it impact his play at all. He's still right now on pace for, I think, 70 plus points. Again, it goes back to, and it's funny when it first happened. I think a lot of people were like, "That's interesting." Taylor Hall's not more publicly like against this decision, and it's worked. And it just goes back to this team looks spot in. That's really what it is. And you're around them every day, and you can maybe attest to it better than I can. But from what I see, this was a really bought in team. It just does. And that was kind of the prediction I had at the beginning of the year was that it's Bergeron's most likely last season. Which again, we don't know. We don't know, but that's kind of the, what the vibe we got coming out of the offseason was. And, uh, you know, they want to win it for him. And from here on out, it, and same with Krejci, and from here on out, it's just they're all bought in and doing whatever it takes. And that's what you're seeing. And this isn't propaganda. We're not, you know, we're not chucking Bruins propaganda at you. Um, but again, I just look at, you know, the way in which uh, Taylor Hall was fine with being on the third line and making it work. And I just think, there's something about this team, which will make the heartbreak really bad for Bruins fans if things do not go their way um, come May and June. Can you imagine what the city will be like if that ends up happening? But this is a positive episode. We're keeping it positive. Um, another one, Nick Foligno um, has worked out really well. And I know he's, the points aren't there as much as they were at the beginning with him so far, but the his role isn't a points one. I think points are kind of just gravy. It's more can you just you know, fit in on the fourth line and, and work out well. And so far it's been that and more, it feels like. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been night and day and it's one thing where like maybe his play has dropped off a little bit in terms of just baseline production, but uh, he's still on pace right now for 15 goals and 40 points, which if you told me Nick Felino was going to play 75 games for this team this season, it was adding 12 points. You'd be like, all right, well, he must be doing, you know, other things like if he's on the fourth line, like, and it's been completely different, right? He's been, Physical, he's stepped up for his teammates. He's been, you know, scoring timely goals. Um, you know, even along with the power play, like he's had some of the probably I think the the nicest like assists, whether it's on the power play or stuff like that, where in, in you know, tight in space, he's had some great uh, setups for some really good goals. So, you know, he's a guy that you know, even though he's put on waivers and we were like, All right, is he at the end of his rope? And we were certainly not the uh the only two that had that sentiment no. going into it, especially like he didn't seem like he had his game and during training camp and what have you. But um, having a guy like Felino further down that lineup, even if he wasn't producing at this clip, has value for a team that's veteran heavy, bought in, is you know fighting for one common goal, and to have him 
go from a guy like that you can rally around that's a key piece to your locker room to then also have them on the ice and be a guy that can give you a timely goal, can give you 40 points in the season, it's huge. So, yeah, he's, I think, proven many people wrong so far this year. Good for him and good for him. Yes. Good yeah. dude, fun guy, good content. Like, I, I'm very happy that uh, Felino has turned it around and um, is making the most of this opportunity. I, I would not put Pasternak in the surprise category. I think we were both pretty high on him having a really good season this year, given everything that's happened in recent seasons. This was a kind of his first normal offseason, normal beginning of season. Like, it just made sense. Contract year. The surprise is that he's not signed. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the big surprise. That is, a think, not, that is a not very pleasant surprise, yes. That is a not very pleasant surprise at all. I think he does end up signing. I don't think that he doesn't. But um, I just think the fact that he's not yet signed, sealed, and delivered – little unsettling when you consider what's happening on the other side of town with the with the Red Sox. I think people are just kind of fatigued a bit from the Bogart situation, Devers, Betts, uh, not that they are connected at all. Although in the Winter Classic preview, we'll get into the Henrys owning, uh, owning the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is going to be an interesting one, which I imagine the memes will be flying come the day of the Winter Classic. But, um, I, you know, again, I, I think everything's just worked (laughs) and it's tough. And the tough part is, I think this is one thing people are a little worried about. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier is it can't work forever. Like it's hard to imagine a whole season. If just things are just working out this team, though, will say has the identity that I could almost believe it working out the whole season. Like you look at the veteran leadership in the room, Bergeron, Marshan, Felino, new head coach, which in his own right has been a surprise. I think we both expected Montgomery to work. And we expected them maybe to be a little bit hot at the start with the new coach. Cause I think that always happens to teams. You get the new coach having to Cassie at the beginning when he was first brought on. But I don't think we, either of us saw them obviously being this good under Jim Montgomery. Yeah. And I think it's one thing where you, you look at how it, where his impact has been. And I think obviously the way he kind of handles the room is communication. It's definitely probably been just a welcome change. You know, it, that's not to say that, you know, you look at the players who clearly did not, you know, connect well with Bruce Cassidy. That's not to say that everyone did. It just, but even if you have a new coach in there who has a different approach, a different style, just having that that shift in dynamic can you know make any player I think respond differently and you know give them a little bit more juice to start the year. Um, but I think for Montgomery too, a lot of it has been the X's and O's parts of it, right? Like whether it's the defense getting more involved, and it's one thing to like say those things like on your introductory press conference, like yeah, we want the the D to be more involved, we want to like change up be uh you know more aggressive in the neutral zone to defend the blue line all these things that every coach says that every coach wants to switch things up and you know execute a game plan that makes their team better i'm not really breaking new ground here right with those things but to then see it really translate almost immediately in terms of just the way they go about some of these things and their their rush attacks the way the defense gets more involved and that not to say that you know this seems leading the NHL in terms of points, you know, among defensemen or what have you, but you can just see how different it is, whether it's layers, their breakouts, where they have a lot of like defensemen carrying the puck through the middle of the ice and the options it gives you, you have a guy like breaking zone, like you do look at it, it is very different. And I think for players, it's again, that change of pace, you know, adds it in that intrigue. I think for a player, it switches things up and it gets them playing differently. Um, so far it's, you know, you, you've seen it, uh, manifest out there, whether it's that or, you know, focusing more on uh, quality over quantity. Like that's one thing I think it's really stood out in terms of, all right, how is it this team that was our, always a pretty good offensive team, but you look at their five on five play and they're, you know, the fact they are getting 
just a few more goals you've seen, you know, night in and night out. You kind of see it from the way they approach, you know, that offensive zone and their shot selection, especially. They're making teams play to them, which is going to be yeah. interesting come the postseason with the way the, the pace they play and the way you know, the aggressiveness on the forecheck, things like that, that we kind of discussed when he first got hired. That is usually a Montgomery identity team. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how teams try to counter that yeah. um, in the postseason and what teams kind of successfully do it. Uh, Connor, what can people look forward to from you uh, in the coming weeks with the with the job change? Yeah, so I am now, uh, again, uh, over at Boston.com moving forward. My first day will be actually the day of the Winter Classic, which is fantastic <laughs> timing. Amazing. So right now, I'm kind of in limbo. I'm just rolling with the rolling with the waves right now. So have a few days off to decompress and relax, but then really, really excited to get started uh, over at Boston.com. Obviously, be doing a good amount of Bruins, a lot of you know everything that's out there, whether it's Celtics, Patriots, Red Sox, everything. Um, but again, do not worry. We'll still have quite a few uh, Bruins-related content out there. So if you want to find me in a couple of a week or so, uh, one, I will be at the Winter Classic, and you can see all of my coverage over there at Boston.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93, where even if it's an off day or what have you, I will probably be sending out some uh, of my musings or tweets or gifs, what have you, about the Bruins. So Connor Ryan underscore 93. It never stops. Even when never I got stops. my new job with the Wigan Hockey Journal, I remember thinking, oh, you know, I won't use Twitter as much. It'll be kind of nice. I couldn't stay away. There, there are nights I'm just like, you know what? I miss the community. I want to be out there in it. And it, it and, and Connor, you're the perfect person. You're the most Boston person I kind of know. And so makes sense that you're Boston.com and writing about not just the Bruins, about all teams. So um, it'll be very interesting to see. I have no doubt that you'll crush it. People can make sure to go follow you along over there. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky, Bruins Beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. <laughs>